Thank you for listening to this message from Forward Ministries. We pray it blesses you, encourages you, and inspires grace in you today. You can visit us online at forwardministries.org. Happy Valentine's Day. I like Valentine's Day. You guys like it? You like I said I mentioned in the aside from the, you know, consumerism that perverts it. And aside from the, uh, you know, ritualistic, sexual, pagan uh, influences from the beginning, you know, aside from all that, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a pretty good holiday. But, and, and I think it is because it's at least one time a year where people intentionally decide <clears throat> to display love toward the people in their families that they love, toward their spouses, hopefully toward their spouses, toward one another. And I was thinking about that, you know, and I always, I always think of, because I want you guys, I want, I want these messages to inspire you to trust God, but I also want to give you something practical that you can actually do something with. And I thought, you know what, what if Valentine's Day was every Friday? Amen. See, right? And the lady said, that sounds pretty good to me. Every flowers every Friday, yeah, now, you know, maybe not necessarily having to spend, that's my wife over there chiming up, flowers every Friday. Friday. Chocolate and flowers every Friday, can I get an amen? Amen. (laughs) But deeper than the stuff, you know, deeper than the consumerism, the, 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 the act, the expression, for marriage specifically, think about this. I have this question for you, I wrote it down so I wouldn't forget it. What would it do to your marriage if weekly, intentionally, you did something special to express your love, respect, and appreciation for your husband or your wife? Now, think about that for a minute. You know, forget that we're in church and there's some preacher up here with a microphone running his mouth, and let's just think, how does this actually affect my real life? What would it do in your household if at least once a week you did something intentionally to express your love toward this other person, whatever that is, you know, you find out what their love language is, you find out what their behavior patterns are, you find out what does it for them, not for manipulation, not for selfish gain because love isn't selfish, but just because you look at this person and you think, you know what, I love them and I want them to know it and I want them to feel it. What would that do to your marriage if you did that once a week and then maybe twice a week and then maybe every day? What would it do? Think about it. I know it's like church. You're expected to just come in and not think, you know, but I want us to be practical about this stuff (coughs) because here's the thing. (coughs) Love is is the only formula that God gives us to actually make an impact in this world. Our love for one another is a sign to the world that we follow Jesus. And us binding together in our love for one another and moving in love toward the world is what will convince the world to believe in God. Those are the only two formulas that we get of what will actually cause people to turn their hearts toward God on this planet. Love our love for one another, and us collaborating and loving them together. But it doesn't just have to be a miracle or a lunch or a well that you drill in Kenya 
What if it's, they look at your marriage and they think, my goodness, those people are weird. Look how much they actually love each other. Is that real? I mean, I want people to look at mine and Sarah's marriage and think, are they for real? That ain't right. People aren't really like that, are they? And that'd be a witness that we're like that because we follow Jesus. Your marriage can be just as powerful of a testimony as you going out and getting a word of knowledge for somebody. Maybe even more powerful. It gives hope to other people. It, it, it shows people that are not maybe doing so well in that moment a picture, not to be envious, but just to say, look, you know, we put Jesus in the middle here. We're, we're specifically, intentionally displaying our love for one another, and this is what it looks like. What would it do for you? I'm going to take it a step further. Will you do that? Do something every week as sweet as what you would do on Valentine's Day. Maybe not where you got to spend the money, you know, be smart about it, but something. What would that do for your marriage? I wonder. I'm interested. Maybe for the next month we'll give that a shot and we'll see what kind of testimonies come out of that. You guys want to do that? Y'all in? Y'all married folks? I got two people nodding. Everybody else like, mm-hmm. what's it going to cost me? <laughs> because love changes things. Some of you are praying for God to move and change your spouse when maybe it's the love that you display toward them is actually the catalyst for the change that you'd like to see. It's a microcosm in our marriage. It's a macrocosm on the planet. The body of Christ, if we could quit pointing the finger at people's sin, not excusing the sin, not saying that sin is okay, but not leading with calling out the sin, leading with love, what would that be like? What would our homes be like if we didn't lead with the finger and we led with love? So here's the other thing is that, and this, I was just thinking about this specifically, what can we do to actually put this into practice? So we'll use Dave and Sally here. They see each other pretty much every morning, right? I mean, you're not traveling, and we've got some couples that couples travel, but do this. When you wake up, the first time you see each other, make a decision that you're going to hold in your mind. You're going to have a thought purposefully, that this is what I love about him and this is what I'm thankful for about him. And maybe you even say it. But, you know, a lot of times we don't do that. We're not intentional about thinking about and and respecting and and wanting to show love that we are purposeful about actually doing it. And it all starts in your mind. It starts in your awareness. It starts in what you're thinking about. A lot of times what we wake up, we don't even think about them. You know, Kopi gets up. He's out of the house at... 6 o'clock, 5.30, heading up the road. I'm sure she's thankful for him going out and working and, you know, providing for the family. But what's it like if the first time you see them, it's like, okay, these are the kinds of thoughts that I want to have toward my spouse the first time that I see them in the day. Wonder what that would do. Will you do that? Make a decision that when I see them first time, I'm going to think this is what I love them, something that I love about them, And I'm thankful for them because of this. And whether you say it or not, it will change how you feel and it will change how you behave and it will change how you act. See, religion is so focused on behavior and so focused on obedience. But if you can do this with God as well, if the first thing that you think about toward God when you wake up is what you're thankful for, what he's done for you, how much you love him and how much he loves you, 
Man, I'm telling you, that is the recipe for sinless living. That is the recipe for letting the power of God rise up in your heart and go into the world and convince others of his love for them because that's what's going on between you and him. Your heart is so full of love between you and him, you can't help but love other people. You know, I want that for your marriages as well. I want that for your relationships. I want that for your kids. I want you to look at those people and think, I love this person. And it not be an afterthought. It might it not be a scramble down to the flower shop because you're worried if they're going to be upset. I mean, you know, let's just keep it real. Let's keep it on a level, I mean, a, a place where we actually live life. You know, we, we Christians get, it's like we compartmentalize what we think Christianity is and then the rest of our world. Now, some walls need to come down. God's not compartmentalized. These things can get into the rest of our lives and change everything to the degree that the world looks at us and says, uh, man, look, look at that. If God can do that in their lives, I don't know that I believe that God created a man and a woman and there was a talking snake in the garden, but that's really not an issue for me right now. Look at that love. You know, we think we've got to convince people of all the truth. Love is the truth. Amen? Amen. Look at what the Word says about love. Let's look at Ephesians 2. Verse 4, I'm going to go in the King James in this particular version because I like some of the wording. So Ephesians 2, 4, we're going to start here. Now, I want you to look at these in light of what God has done for us, the kind of love he has for us, but then also how does this translate into your motivation for loving your spouse, loving the people around you, and the end goal of that love, right? So this is God's display of love toward us with his end goal in mind, but what does it mean for me to love this way with the same kind of end goals? So Ephesians 2, 4, God who's rich in mercy. Now think about this. This is God toward us, but you adopt this for yourself toward other people. For his great love wherewith he loved us. So it's because of his love for us that he moves toward us for this to happen. Verse 5, even when we were dead in sins. Now, God looked at you and said, they are getting ready to split hell wide open. Their mouth is full of profanity. They're not sober a day in their lives. They have wrecked everything they've ever touched. I think it's a perfect time to go down there and die for them. <coughs> Even when they were dead in sins, he made us alive together with Christ. By grace are you saved. See, in marriage, we want that other person to do a little something before we're willing to do something. God didn't do that. When we were dead, God moved toward us in love. Verse 6. And has raised us together, has drawn us together. See, love has the purpose of being together. It has the purpose of drawing unity. And made us sit together in heavenly places. In other words, brought us to where he dwells, brought us into his space in Christ Jesus, verse 7. Why? See, God loved you, so he moved towards you and did something within you through Christ to get you to this place so that in the ages to come, God might show the exceeding riches of his grace and kindness to us through Jesus Christ. In the ages to come, God could show you the exceeding riches and grace of his kindness. See, God loved you. 
He moved towards you for reconciliation and restoration, which he made available in Jesus. And when you receive Jesus, why? So he could be kind to you forever. That's why he sent Jesus here, was because God wants to be kind to you forever. God wants the kind of relationship with you that's full of grace and mercy, just so that you experience his kindness. He loves you so much that he just wants you to experience it. And he took every step to make it, didn't leave any ounce of it up to you other than for you to believe, other than for you to say yes to his sacrifice, receive his spirit and be cleansed. That's what love is. What does that look like for you in your marriage when your spouse is dead in their sins? I look, I'll preach to the wall when I say that one. <laughs> Titus 3.3. 3. Again, we're looking at the goal of love, the way, God, the way love acts. We have been recreated in the image of God. We can love the same way. Titus 3.3. 3. I think we've got this one in the NIV, but I'm not sure that it matters. Titus 3.3. 3. I know that sometimes it gives them a hard time. I'm just going to start reading. At one time, now, again, same context, right? This is God moving toward us in love, but maybe adapt this. What does this look like for you in moving in love toward other people? At one time, we were foolish. You ever been foolish? You ever, your spouse ever been foolish? Don't answer that. <laughs> Disobedient. Uh-oh. Deceived and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures, we lived in malice, envy, being hated, or hating one another. I mean, it's like, really? You took it that far? Hating one another? Yeah. Then, okay, so if that's where you are, where are we going from there? Verse 4. But when the kindness and love of our God appeared, of our Savior appeared, it takes you from hating one another then this love shows up. This kindness shows up. Verse 5. He saved us not because of righteous things that we had done. In other words, we move toward our spouse not because they do those things that I'm demanding of them to do before I'm going to release my love for them. Right? It's not a conditional thing here other than I just want you to be able to receive it. And once you can receive it, I know it's going to generate a response. If I, could just, if I could just love you and be kind to you to the degree where your heart opens a little bit to receive it, I know it's going to generate a response. Love is powerful. <clears throat> because of his mercy, he saved us through the washing of rebirth. All right, so love ends up washing. There's rebirth in, in Christ's love for us and God's love for us. It, it washes even us to the, the core of our nature, washes that sin nature out of you and gives you a righteous nature before the Father. But what does it do in your marriage? What does displayed love do in your marriage in, in regard to reconciliation, in regard to regeneration? What does it do? So washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, verse 6 whom he poured out on us generously through Christ our Savior, an act of absolute unconditional love. See, I think love is actually a, a force, right? Think about this for a minute. I'm going to geek out on you. For, I was talking to John. John is a uh, 
some kind of engineer. I don't know, he's so smart, I don't even know what his title is. <laughs> Carrie's boyfriend, he works for Georgia Tech, although he's a dogs fan. Go dogs. Anyway, aside from that, he's in the scientific community. And I saw this, uh, I, f I follow some guys on, on social media, and they, they put out a statement, the scientific world put out a statement that they have detected gravitational waves. That's about the response I thought we'd get. He said this. <laughs> yeah, woo -hoo! He said this. This is as significant as Galileo crafting a microscope and looking into space the first time through a telescope and seeing what he saw. Now, that should have gotten a little bit more response. It's a big deal. For the scientists that have, have, have recognized and detected gravitational waves, I really don't know what all that means other than he said, he said it's going to allow them to see the fabric of the universe, the construct which God spoke into existence on a smaller and more detailed level, level than they've ever known before and give us more information on just how all this works together. We know that God upholds all things by the word of his power, we know that he spoke it into existence, but it has a way of functioning and operating, and they're really super excited that it works, and that they're going to learn more. Physics has a problem. There's four, there's a, there's a thing called the standard model. Bear with me, I'm not just rambling, I'm actually going somewhere. <laughs> Physics has a standard model, and the standard model has all these different particles and energies and, you know, the way they define how everything works, but it's got four forces. There's gravitational, there's electromagnetic, and then there's weak and strong nuclear energy or force. <coughs> Gravity is everywhere. Gravity can be thought of as this. It's a force that actually draws anything that has mass and energy together. Gravity is kind of the measurement of the mass in these two objects and the energy in these two objects being drawn together, there is a measurement unit that you get and that determines how much gravity is there. So it's a force, right? Now with gravity, you make an action and there's an equal and opposite reaction. You jump up and because gravity exists, it's gonna pull you down and it's constant and consistent. It's there, it exists. It's not just an idea. Gravity actually has a physical effect on things. Now I think love is a force like gravity, but it's spiritual. Love is a spiritual force that has a measurable effect on people. And I think because it's alive and it actually comes directly from the presence of God, it doesn't just create pressure. It actually can change internal Amen. what you are. It can wash sin away. It can make you alive when you were dead. But... Now, I'm going to geek out again here for just a second. Follow me. In a Newtonian world, in other words, a way of physics that says there's only those things that you can measure and see, if there is an action, there is an equal reaction. Those are physical laws that you can't get away from. Spiritual laws or spiritual forces aren't that way in that you can push and demand a response, right? God can't just make everybody love him. He can't just push enough to get a particular response back. Spiritual force is a little bit different. It's more of an invitation. It's an offer that one has to receive. 
See, we have to say yes to him to be able, be able to experience this. Some people say, well, God's sovereign. He's just deciding everything, and, and, and everything that's happening is just because that's the way he planned it. No, God doesn't always get his way. It's his will that none should perish. Are people perishing? God displayed his perfect will in Jesus who went about doing good and healing all. Are there sick people? Is God's will sickness? No. no. Never once did Jesus give someone sickness. He removed it, did something about it. So love coming from God has to be received. Love coming from God has to be open to, acknowledged, and then marinated in long enough so that it then does produce an effect. It's the same way in relationship. I mean, how long did it take to, for God to get through to you? See, some of us have some trouble going on in our marriages, and we think, I'm going to love here for a minute. Okay, about 30 minutes have gone by. I don't see the change. I'm giving up. <laughs> you know what? They just, don't, they just don't see it. They just don't appreciate me. What if it takes a year? Is it worth it? What if there's a particular change in that spouse? Now, I'm talking about healthy boundaries. I'm not talking about a situation where there's abuse and there's, no, there's not a, 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 a kind of relationship where there's hope. You know, some of us need to ditch these codependent, sick, unhealthy relationships and run for the hills. I'm talking about in a relationship where there's mutual respect and love, but some things do need to change. What if it takes 15 years I mean, how long did it take for God to get through to you? See, love will produce a result. From the right motivation, you walking in love toward people, specifically your spouse, will produce an effect. But are you committed to displaying love for that person? It's the nature of marriage. When Paul talks about the mystery of marriage, he says, Husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. I think that's kind of a reversal of what happened and what was broken down in the garden where there was a loss of respect and it's kind of a restoration. I'm actually going to go into that in this identity class that I'm starting in March. But for this purpose, love has an effect. So what I mean by all of that, let's put all that together. Your act of love towards someone is not just the act. It's not just the emotion that you feel. It's not just the reaction that you're hoping for because love is a spiritual force that comes out of us and it comes from the throne of God and it, like gravity, can bind things together. There's more happening at a deeper level between two people on the love level that's creating a bond, that's creating a connection. It's not just something that I do for you. It's not just a carnal, physical relationship that we're in and I have to outperform you. It's no, we're bound together spiritually and love is the glue. So as I intentionally, yes, physically display and emote toward you, there's something deeper that happens and there's a connection. And the more you display that love, the deeper the connection that happens. The more you act out and verbalize that love, the deeper that connection is experienced. Even to the degree where someone is unfaithful in a marriage, but they have both decided to stick together and walk down the path, that when love is displayed and decided on and intentionally shown, 
it can wash away that to the degree where they don't ever see it again. There's a couple that I do conferences with sometimes, and this woman had a affair that lasted about three weeks on her husband. She got pregnant during the affair, came back, told the husband, he had to go through and make the decision, because the guy that she cheated with was out of the picture and didn't want to have anything to do with the child, they decided to raise the child together. Can you imagine that? Guys, think about that. That's what love can do. When you bond together and you decide to stick together in love, I mean, here's the thing. You hear them start telling their testimony. I'll just be transparent. We're going to get the book in here, and we're probably going to have them here at some point. You hear them start telling their testimony. She always goes first, and she's, woo, you know, I mean, you look at her, and you're like, mm-hmm, I can see why she was up running around. <laughs> then you hear him speak, and you sit there, and you think, I am a judgmental jerk. Because you hear him talk about forgiveness. I'm telling you, man, the kind of forgiveness that this guy connected to, I'd never understood it until I heard him. And then aside from repenting from judging her, you hear him talk and you're thinking, oh my goodness, this is love. I mean, forgiveness to the degree where you become thankful for that child in your marriage, not thankful for the affair. It's not like God did that to bring a connection. But the work of love in his heart is powerful. It's deep, and it's something that we don't experience. See, because we like to hold things against each other. We have really good memories when it comes to pain, really good memories when it comes to injustice that's done to us. Because we've got an excuse. We've got a right to be angry, right? But love, there's a deeper connection that happens here as you, as you intentionally display it. So back to the idea of when you wake up and you look at your spouse in the morning and you thankful for, you think of what you're thankful for, you maybe intentionally a little more often do sweet things where you move toward them in love. It's not just physical things that are happening. On a deeper level, love is actually being affected. Like gravity, drawing things together, love creates a bond where, you know, where when that one spouse says something that, that, that used to really just send you off in a tailspin, you look at them and you realize, you know what, this isn't about me. I wonder what they're going through. Is everything all right at work? What's going on? You know, we do that because of our past hurts and our pains we make it all about ourselves so that one or the other person acts out. We can't look through their behavior deeper to the person because we've taken that time to make that love connection. We just deal with the externals. All of us have a little picture right here. Look at that. I got a stain on my shirt. We've got a little picture right here in our hearts of ourselves and what we think we look like. In every situation you get into, you check that picture. Are we okay with this? Does that look like me? Can I make it in here? You, you have an opportunity to get a pay increase on your job. Maybe you don't think you deserve it. Maybe you don't think that you ever deserve to make that much money and you do something to wreck it. Maybe you have an opportunity to have a relationship like you've never had in your life, but because of every other relationship you've been in has exploded, 
you check that picture and you think, you know what, we're about as far into this relationship as I've ever been, usually this far into the, and this is not an intellectual process, this is something you have in your heart about yourself. You start checking that picture and you say, you know what, I don't think I deserve this. Every other relationship has happened like this. Before I get hurt, I'm out. In fact, I'm gonna do something to create some pain and chaos here to give me an excuse to get out. But we still do that in marriage too. There's those little images that we have, but I'm telling you, love erases all of that stuff. If you can connect with God's love for you, you can realize, man, I, I, I don't want to feel this way about myself. I don't want to treat this person like that. There may even be areas that you don't even see that you're creating disruption in your relationships. But the more you decide to love, the more you intentionally structure and steward your life and your marriage in a way where you're intentional. You're not just waking up like the pinball machine. You know, that's how we are in life. You wake up, you get shot out of the chute, you bounce around all day long, and then you fall down in the hole in the end of the day, and you're just reactionary all day long. We do that in our marriages. We look at this person, and it's like, well, you know what? They're bound to me. I got the marriage contract. As long as I don't do anything stupid, then they got to stay with me. That's a lot of how our marriages are. We're not purposefully sowing into that person. But what if you did? I think something deeper than happens than just the actions. To the degree that you have such a marriage where it's like beyond any relationship that you ever thought that you could have, to the degree that the condition of that relationship is then your testimony to the world that God exists, that you follow Jesus. We all want to walk in miracles and display the power and go around the world, but you know what? Why, why not work on your marriage being your testimony? Why not work on your relationships being what you do for other people that draws them to him? Amen? All the other stuff is a fruit as well. If you're so connected in your love for one another that you walk in miracles and all that stuff too, praise God, do it. We want that stuff. It's part of the package. But love first. Lead with love. Will you do that? I'm going to call you guys and check up on you. <laughs> I'm going to do it too. Okay, Let's do it. And then see what happens. We'll have like a marriage testimony something. I don't know. It'll be. And then all you people who are, th who are thinking, well, you know what? My marriage failed. I'm a loser. No. No. God's a redeemer. You know, the past is the past. What can you do about that? Nothing. You don't carry the guilt. You don't carry the shame. You don't carry the self-judgment. You're not disqualified. It happened. Move on. There's hope for the future. Amen? Amen. In your family. In any relationship, any relationship that you have, in, a, in an appropriate way, how can you show that? Again, I'll end with this. It's the formula. Actually, this is the first ending. I've got two. You already? <laughs> it's the formula for reaching the world for Christ. These guys work for a missionary organization up here. You know, they probably realize that you go into a community that is desperate, that has never heard about Christ. What's better to, to create a safe environment where they have food and shelter and water and clothing for their children or legs growing out? 
I mean, you know, you want some legs growing out in the process, but if they can eat, that's a different, you're really showing something at that point. 1 Corinthians 13, let's end here. Because we all know this, it's read in every wedding and every probably Valentine's Day, the preacher pulls it out, but this is, this is what it is. This just gives us a framework of how to love, right? We want to show love. What is love? Let's just look at this definition. 1 Corinthians 13, we're going to start in verse 4. All right, here we go. Now, think about yourself. Don't judge yourself. This is not the time to walk out of here thinking, I am worthless. No, this is a new day. This is a decision that you're making from here forward because that person is in your life. This is what you're going to show toward them. Love is patient. Ask yourself, am I patient toward this person? Again, don't judge yourself. Don't condemn yourself. Make a decision. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. And it's not proud. Verse 5. It does not dishonor others. Now, think about that for a minute. The people that you say you love in your life, are your words and your actions dishonoring them? <laughs> Just, you know, again, I'm not trying to create guilt, but we want to be real about where we are, how we're treating our, the people that we say that we love, knowing that it can be a sign to the world to draw them <clears throat> to Christ. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It's, it keeps no record of wrongs. <clears throat> this is huge. It keeps no record of wrongs. I mean, God towards you, one of the staples of the new covenant being cut in the blood of Jesus that you are engrafted into, into and the promise from God toward you in the new covenant is God is no longer holding your sins against you. Man, people, people have a hard time with that. It's like, well, what about murderers? What about this? What about, what about, what about? It's like, God, it's not that he doesn't see that stuff. It's not that he overlooks it and excuses it. Sin kills, sin destroys but there's a deeper way that God looks at you. God is not holding your sin against you. Doesn't mean it's okay to do it. We're not talking on a carnal level. We're talking on that spiritual level of where you are with God. What if that were true in your marriage? Well, you remember when you said this? Now, again, I'm not saying be a codependent doormat where you let people get away with abuse. I'm not saying go there. We're talking about health, verse 6. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth, verse 7. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes. The word hope is a confident expectation, specifically of good things. Always perseveres. Say this with me, verse 8. Ready, one, two, three. Love never fails. You can pull that down. It just won't fail. If it's birthed from you knowing that God loves you and you genuinely have love toward this person and it's a spiritual kind of love that you're trying to display, not unseen, it's just a deeper connection, it's not going to fail. It can change that marriage. It can change that child. 
It can change that relationship. But somebody's got to take responsibility to love and stick with love, not conditionally. If they mess it up, you can't stop and go back and say, well, I tried. Oh, yeah? God tried forever to get through to you. He would have done it through eternity. He did it through death. You owe it to that person at least however long it takes in this life. I mean, you know, I, I want to build you up, but I want to be serious about this. That, that person in your life is a gift from God. Treat it with respect. That, that opportunity that you have to share with one another the kind of life that God wants for you on this planet. I mean, God created two people. God created a planet for two people to love each other and have a family in. And that planet had everything they would ever need. That's God's idea of marriage. It's like, look, God's the rich uncle that shows up with the fat money envelope at your wedding. Says, here you go. It's like, look, let me tell you something. Got you a house. This thing's nice, man. It's big. It's got everything. It's perfect. It's got everything you need. You guys just love one another. You guys just display your love for each other. Take care of what I've given you and watch what happens. Blessing upon blessing upon blessing. Upon blessing upon blessing. You know, sometimes you got to forgive yourself. Sometimes you got to just stop and realize, you know what? I've really made a mess. But I'm starting right now, and I'm going to love. Because there's a lot of stuff that's going to come out of your intentional love for those people in your life. Amen? So will you do that when you see your spouse in the morning, holding your heart and your mind what you're thankful about that person, what you love about that person? to the degree that it actually changes how you feel about that person. I know how it is, man. I'm telling you, I do counseling. I hear y'all talk about each other. <laughs> I'm kidding, not y'all, other people. If you, can change, if you can hold in your mind thoughts that change how you feel toward other people, it will change how you act toward that person, and ultimately it will change your life. Father, we thank you so much for your love for us a kind of love that we can only say yes to, a kind of love that actually at its deepest level changes the kind of being that we are. It changes us from being dead to alive. It changes us from being sinners to being the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It changes us from being hopeless and left to our best efforts on this planet to being unfairly and unjustly accepted in heaven because that kind of invitation just says, come in. I've offered everything that make you acceptable. Come in through me. Thank you, Lord, that our hearts, we just, we just in this moment, we'd make a decision to open our hearts to allow your influence on us to change us. So that we experience your love, we display your love to any and every person in our lives with the expectation that it draws people to you. Thank you for your influence in our lives. Amen.